0: What's up, everybody? Happy Easter. Come on, welcome to Easter Resurrection Sunday online. It is such an honor to have you tuning in with us uh, online for our resurrection service. It's been a powerful morning already. It was such an honor to take communion with you and be in our living rooms together, Uh, just uh, honoring and remembering what God has done. And I got a word on my heart for us, um, just the simple gospel today. I think uh, a lot of times on Easter uh, Sundays, pastors want to give these messages that no one's ever heard. But I really think like in the middle of uh, what we're facing, we just need the simple gospel and the power of what God did uh, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So we're going to look at Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Before I jump into that though, um, you'll see some of the kids scriptures, the TC kids scriptures or points will be on the screen as well for all those and all the families out there that might be taking notes or the kids are involved. And I know our kids department's been working hard to give uh, the whole family an experience on this great weekend and many other weekends as well. So again, that's on the screen. And then a lot of you've probably been in your sweats and your pajamas for like three months now, it feels like. And so uh, today's Easter. Come on, you can dress up a little bit, and we want to encourage you, uh, dress up, get your family together, take a picture, and then put hashtag TCEaster2020, hashtag TCEaster2020 uh, in the picture and tag that so we can all see each other's photos this year, and it'd be a great just, you know, experience to see your family and us celebrate one another like that. We're going to jump into the Word. Next week, we begin a new series or continue our old series, Unshakable Believer, and we'll start new connect groups online. So we'll have six weeks of connect groups starting next week. So I would encourage you, jump online, get onto our, our Zoom connect groups. They're gonna be powerful and it's gonna be a unifying semester, six weeks where we're all on the same topic. So we got some amazing leaders leading that. So you can find out about that on our website. I think 1 Corinthians 15 is the most uh, powerful probably chapter in the Bible. Most most theologians believe it's the most important chapter of the entire Bible. Uh, if you can pick a chapter, uh, many believe that it's Paul's most important work. It's, it's the longest epistle or longest chapter in any of the epistles that Paul wrote. And uh, it really deals with the, the greatest enemy of mankind, death. It deals with uh, the centrality of Christianity, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, it, it deals with Easter. It's, it's about the empty tomb. It's about Jesus conquering death, hell, and the grave. It's him defeating Satan, and it's just the simple good news of the gospel. I think the greatest evangelism is this chapter. I mean, it's an amazing thought, and I want to just give you the simple good news today. The gospel is good news, and I just want to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to give you the message version, and uh, we're going to start in verse 1. Paul says this, friends. Let me go over the message with you one final time. This message I proclaimed and that you made your own, this message on which you took your stand and by which your life has been saved. I'm assuming now that your belief was the real thing and not a passing fancy that you're in this for good and holding fast. This thing I did, the first thing I did was place before you what was placed emphatically before me, that the Messiah died for our sins Exactly as scripture tells it, that he was buried, that he was raised from the dead on the third day, again, exactly as scripture says, that he presented himself alive to Peter, then to his closest followers, and later to more than 500 of his followers all at the same time. Most of them are still around, although a few have since died, that he spent time with James and the rest of those he commissioned to represent him. Then he finally presented himself alive to me. Paul's talking. He finally presented himself alive to me. It was fitting that I bring up the rear. I don't deserve to be included in the inner circle. As you well know, having spent all those early years trying my best to stamp God's church right out of existence. I love that God was pursuing Paul even though Paul was persecuting him. I think a lot of times we think we've persecuted or done too much, but God's still pursuing us. Paul goes on to say this, verse 10 and 11. He says, but God, but because God was so gracious, so very generous, here I am. And I'm not about to let this grace, excuse me, go to waste. I'm not about to let this grace go to waste. The title for today is simple title. If you're taking notes, don't let grace go to waste. Don't let grace go to waste. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the grace you gave us in the gospel, the simple good news. Help us to understand it more clearly. Help us to to appropriate it more readily. Help us to to live by it, Lord. Just the grace of your good news. Open our hearts up today. Open the thousands that are watching up today to your grace. Just the good news of grace, God. We thank you that you gave your son and it was all grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't let the, the grace go to waste. I, uh... I've been doing a little bit of grocery shopping. I don't like to shop during this crazy time. Uh, Many of you have been out to the grocery store. You know, it's like everyone, we've got masks on. We've got gloves on. There's weird uh, announcements coming over the loudspeaker. You can only walk in one direction. There's lines outside the store. I'm really, like, really? To me, it's like you're six feet apart in these lines outside the store. The wind's blowing. Is that really gonna stop anything? I don't, I just, it's just weird. The whole environment is very weird to me. And so, I'm shopping, and when I go to shop, I, I'm scared that I'm not gonna be shopping again because I don't want to, so I'm just, I'm just loading up on stuff. Like, I got, I got more stuff than I should probably ever buy because I don't wanna go back to the store. The other day, uh, a guy caught me in Trader Joe's and started talking to me, and he was, like, talking about lettuce and started throwing bags of lettuce in my cart. Like, he's like, you need this kind of salad. I'm like, bro, get, don't touch my foliage, man. That's not, just get out of my cart. You just crossed the corona line, brother. Like, you know, stick with your mask. Don't touch my cart. And, uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't put it back. Cause you know, we're in that dilemma in the store as well, where if you touch something, it's yours. Like you can't, you can't touch it and put it back. And you know, people are looking at you. Like, I've changed my mind a few times. I like got some, some stuff out of one thing and kept grabbing the milk. I'm like, I don't want the skim. I need this. And you grab the wrong one. And it's like, the sirens are going off. Like he touched it. And I'm like, man, I changed my mind. Come on you want to freak somebody out go up and just like grab the milk and like get look at it all close and be like oh, i don't want this one and put it back you people all around you're going to lose their minds don't do that i'm just kidding you might be arrested or something but but here, here's the thing I'm shopping and I'm piling up all this stuff into my cart and I want to eat healthy and we're in pandemic because I'm putting spinach and I'm putting broccoli and I'm putting all these Brussels sprouts and kale and I've got these great intentions to eat healthy but the reality is this morning I went and threw out a bunch of poblano peppers out of my refrigerator that went bad. I was going to make stuffed poblano peppers. Come on, really? It's a pandemic. The problem is like the chocolate starts crying out louder than the kale and so all of a sudden, the, the healthy stuff, my good intentions kind of go bad and they go to waste. And I'm finding myself throwing spinach out and throwing this out and throwing that out. Cause I just let it go to waste. And I began to ask myself, why do I, why do I let it go to waste? I've got good intentions. I care, but why do I let it go to waste? And I think, I think there's a couple answers to that. I think it's because it's cheap really. And you might say, well, vegetables are not cheap. Well, no, they're not cheap monetarily necessarily but they're convenient so I think the total cost of of what I'm purchasing there I'm kind of far removed from the planting and the plowing and the watering and the tilling of the soil I'm not a farmer my hands don't show the the work of actually having to produce that crop and so I'm kind of removed from the cost of what it took to produce that crop and so it's it's not as costly to me so it's easy to waste I think a lot of times if we're honest, we waste things because we're far removed or don't understand the cost. That's what's actually happening in chapter 15. Paul's speaking to the Corinthian Christians because it's been 25 years since Jesus was, was crucified, buried, and resurrected. 25 years. And now all of a sudden, Paul's getting wind of some of these Corinthian believers that they've actually started to entertain the idea that there was no resurrection, that Christ really didn't raise from the dead, that like like all this was kind of a myth, like 25 years, some of them have never even met anybody that saw the resurrection. People were still living at the time that had, but it had been 25 years, so many of the stories were just handed down, word to mouth, uh, just, just story after story after story, and now it started to become like this distant reality in their life. They, they, they didn't understand or realize the cost of the cross. They were distant from the cost of what it took to produce grace. And so now they were at a place where they were about to waste grace in their life. Paul realizes it and comes out of the gate, strong, shooting with this message. He's going, listen, listen, I want to remind you. He's got this real, this, this fervent intention right from the front. He has this, this, this kind of, this heartbeat of like, I've got to get this across to you. I've got to get my, get my heart across to you. This is serious. This is important. He, he goes, listen, listen, let me remind you. He's realizing that they aren't actually having grace impact their daily life. And he goes, let me remind you of this message that I brought to you. Let me remind you of the thing that saved you. Let me remind you of the gospel. Let me remind you that Jesus was dead, buried and resurrected. Let me remind you that you didn't believe in this because it was stories handed down. Let me remind you that you impacted and were impacted by God. Let me remind you that you believed not because it was convenient, not because it was not costly, that you believed on this message, took your stand. And that was the gospel that brought salvation to you. I think it's so important in times of of doubt or worry or pandemic. I think it's so important in times that we might be tempted to doubt or waste the grace to remind ourselves of the simplicity of the good news of Messiah. Paul goes on to say, listen, Jesus died for your sins. As the scripture tells it, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. He had to remind them because they had gotten distant from the cost of grace and now It wasn't a reality in their life as much. And I I just want to encourage you. Paul didn't give them philosophy, Paul didn't give them rules and regulations to follow. Paul didn't give them this great wisdom. I mean, he was a brilliant man. He didn't give them man's ideas. He didn't give them religion. He didn't give them 52 ways to pray. Let me just show you how to pray. He didn't give them rules and regulations. He didn't give them any of that. He didn't give them doctrine. He didn't give them theology. He said, let me tell you and let me remind you what you believed. It's a person. Let me remind you that when you're tempted to doubt a little bit, and when you're tempted to, to face some problems, let me remind you of the simple gospel. It's Jesus. He died and was buried and rose from the dead. Let me remind you of this grace so that you don't waste it. And that's just what I wanna do this Easter is just, just remind you how not to waste grace, remind you of what you believed. I know that there's times and they're tough right now, but let me remind you of the grace that God gave into our life by his son, Jesus, and let you stand on that and hold firm to that. Here's a couple thoughts on how not to waste grace. It says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Number one, this is is so important. You need to recognize the cross is a removal of sin, not a reminder of sin. He said that Christ died for our sins. A lot of times we allow the cross to be a reminder of sin when it's actually meant to be a removal of sin. Why did Christ die? Why did Paul record that? How did Jesus die and why? What did it look like? I'm gonna read some things to you about the cost of crucifixion and and just the reality that, that this is a reminder that he removed our sins, that what he did was enough, that he paid the price. Like this is the good news, like Jesus did it. It says the victim's back was first torn open by scourging and then clotting blood was ripped open again when the clothes were torn off the victim. When he was thrown on the ground to, to nail the hands to the crossbeam, the wounds were again torn open and contaminated with dirt. Then as he hung on the cross with each breath, the painful wounds on the back scraped against the rough wood up and down the, the, up the beam in the back, further aggravating his wounds in his back. When the nail was driven through the wrist, it severed the large median nerve. This stimulated nerve produced excruciating bolts of fiery pain in in both arms and resulted in a claw like grip in the victim's hands. Beyond the excruciating pain, the major effect of crucifixion was inhibiting normal breathing. The weight of the body pulling down on the arms and shoulders tended to fix the respiratory muscles in an inhalation state and hindered exhalation. The lack of adequate respiration resulted in severe muscle cramps, which hindered breathing even further. To get a good breath, one would have to push up against the feet and flex the elbows, pulling in from the shoulders, putting the weight of his body on the feet produced searing pain and flexing the elbows, twisted the hands hanging on the nails. Lifting the body for a breath also painfully scraped the back against the rough wood and each effort to get a proper breath was agonizing, exhausting and led to sooner death. Not uncommonly, insects would light upon or burrow into the open wounds or the eyes or the ears or the nose of the dying helpless victim and birds of prey would tear at these sites. Moreover, it was customary to leave the corpse on the cross to be devoured by predatory animals. Death from crucifixion could come from acute shock from blood loss, being too exhausted to breathe any longer, dehydration, stress-induced heart attack or congestive heart failure leading to cardiac rupture. If the victim did not die quickly enough, the legs were broken and the victim was soon unable to breathe. We get our English word excruciating from the Roman word out from the cross. We can't forget the cost of what Jesus did. He died for our sin. We have to remember it It was to remove our sin, not to remind us of our sin. So often we get so sin focused and the good news of the gospel is your sins have been paid for. Jesus paid for it. He did enough. What I just read to you, if we can recognize and recount what he did and understand the cost of that, we won't waste the grace. We'll actually live free. Have you ever been to dinner with somebody and like guys do this more than I think girls because of our egos sometimes are so big. You go to dinner with a friend or a group of people or a family member or another, another, another couple or whatever, you're on a date, and you, as the guy, you're like, I got dinner. I, and, you know, the guys always fight for the check or whatever. You're like, I got it. I've got the bill. I'm going to pay for it. I want to pay for everything that, that we just ate, and it's all me. And, and that's fine. The bill comes, and the guy, as you, you go to pay, and the guy a lot of times will say, okay, that's thank you, thank you, but let me, let me get the tip. And I'm like, what? Excuse me? He's like, yeah, let, let me get the tip. I'd like to pay for the tip. And I'm like, what? what do you, I, I'm offended at that. I'm like, what? I don't, you're going to pay for the tip. Like I'm paying, it's like a hundred dollar bill. You're going to pay 20 bucks. I mean, like, you, listen, like, that's offensive. Like if you're going to pay, pay the whole thing, sucker. <laughs> like don't, don't pick up the tiny tip. Like, you know, if you want, I'm, I'm give. just receive my grace. Just receive my, my, my generosity. Just receive what I want to. Want to do. I'm 45 years old, and never once have I told my father out to dinner who buys our meal as a family. I've never once told him, hey, dad, thank you so much for dinner. Let me get the tip. I've never done that. If I did, he'd be offended. The cross is Jesus saying, I paid for the whole thing. I paid for the whole debt. I paid for all of it. Your sins are gone. You can't add to it. Don't add your tiny tip of religion trying to think that you can do something. It's actually offensive to the Father. Just recount and recall the cost of grace in our life and be thankful and receive it. You might think today that you don't have a debt. The reality is Jesus died for our debt you might think, well, I don't have a debt. I don't. You couldn't pay for your own sins. You couldn't pay for that debt. Many people think, oh, well, there's no debt. Culture would tell you, it's like this. If you went out to a restaurant and had a meal and said, I don't believe in the bill. Like, you can't do that. Somebody's got to pay for the bill. You can't say, I don't believe in the bill. Someone's paying for the bill. And culture wants to tell us that it doesn't believe in the bill but we all have a sin debt and Jesus paid for it. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus died. We can just receive it. Don't try to add a tip to it. This should actually cause us to live and respond different in our day-to-day life. We don't have to live sin conscious. We can live God conscious. You can stop living below your calling. You can live in freedom. You can not live in doubt and guilt and shame. You can know that it's removed off your life. You can live with gifts and power and calling. Don't waste what Jesus paid for. Come on, don't waste grace. Don't hide behind average. God gave us his grace. The scriptures go on. It says Christ died according to the scripture. I love how it says according to the scripture. You know what that tells me? That this wasn't an afterthought. Like it was prophesied, planned for, paid for, prophesied by God, by the prophets. I mean, it was all in the scriptures for thousands of years. I mean, all the way down to the clothes Jesus was wearing, all the way down to to every bone in his body being accounted for. The Bible says not one bone would be broken. The, The Roman centurions went to break his legs, but they didn't because he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. They pierced his side with a spear. I mean, all the way, all of it was already prepared for. The point is, it wasn't an afterthought. Guys, you ever had your wife ask you or your girlfriend ask you, do you know what today is, what the date is today? (laughs) You're like, oh, please, God, don't don't let it be an anniversary, a birthday or a child's birthday. Not one of the big three. Lord, please. You know, what she's really saying is, am I an afterthought? The best times my wife responds to me on a day or on a date is when I've prepared and planned and premeditated and put together a, a plan and paid for it. And she is surprised by it. And she's like, wow, you did all this. She's saying I wasn't an afterthought. And I just want to tell you today that according to the scriptures, he died. You want an afterthought to God. He knows exactly where you are. He died for your sins. He knew exactly what you were gonna be walking through right this moment. And he says, I've planned, paid for, prepared. Just receive my grace, don't waste it. Second thing, Paul goes on and says he died, but, but he says he was buried. He was buried. Just write this thought down. Realize God's promises are buried before they are blessed a lot of times. We've got to recognize that the cross removes our sins. It doesn't remind us of sins. But we've got to realize that God's promises, why did Paul say that he was buried? Come on, that's simple. Like, really? He's buried? Paul's the only one that records that in any of the epistles, that he was buried. Only one that recounts that. Paul's like reiterating that, that he was actually dead. You don't bury somebody that's not dead. He's saying he was buried like he was dead. It was over. Lights out. He was buried and dead. He's saying, listen, Jesus was dead. He's positively dead. And it was all God's. God to get him back to life. You and I got to recognize sometimes that before the, bl- the promises of God in our life uh, can be blessed, they have to be buried. And so some of you are going through certain things in your life and you're like, man, I can't understand why this is buried. I can't figure out why I don't see any of God's promises because things are buried before they're blessed. Jesus was buried. It's a pattern in the gospel. Things have to be dead and buried before they can actually be resurrected to life. When I was dating my wife, um, She was a lot better than I was out of my league. And so um, I was nervous. There was a lot of barriers and obstacles in the way to to date her. And so I was kind of scared about it. And I was like, she's not going to want anything to do with me. And so as I began to date her or began to try to ask her out, um, I just kept putting it at the cross. I I literally said this in my prayer time. I said, God, I just put this relationship at the cross. I just bury it in you because I knew this, anything that was God that was buried, he could resurrect and bless. And if it wasn't God, then I didn't want it to be my good looks, come on. My charm, my wisdom and my wit, I know that's enough, okay. I I didn't want it to be my own skill and ability, I wanted it to be God and so burying that thing, putting it in the ground, putting it in in God's timing was proof, was proving that it was all God's strength, all God's might, all God's ability. Some of you right now are going, why is this thing buried in my life? Because God wants to prove his power in your life and bring some things out where it's not your skill, but it's his power that brings it back to life. He goes on, Paul, in chapter 15 to talk about a seed and The life of a seed, that a seed is actually dead. And when you bury it, it goes in the ground in one form, dead, and then comes back to life. And it's a whole different form when it comes back to life. He's relating it to resurrection. He's saying these seeds of, of, of God are dead sometimes. It looks dead and buried, and then it actually comes out in a different form. Jesus went in the ground and came out a different power, a different body, a different strength, a different direction. The one that descended, ascended. God's saying that there's some things in your life that were seeds that looked dead. Some promises, some dreams, some hopes, some different things. Resurrection, the burial of Jesus is proof that things in our life sometimes can be buried but still be blessed when God gets a hold of them. I think it's important for you to let some things go and actually put it into God's hand and say, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna bury it in you. I'm gonna bury this thing. It's a seed, it's planted, it's not dead and buried. It's not gone, it's just planted. It's easy to plant trees and believe you can see them. I've planted trees, all kinds of trees. I've never planted anything in seed form that's lived. I, I don't, cause I dig it back up. I look, I don't know what to do. It's like, it takes more faith, it takes more trust. It's under the soil, it's under the ground. Jesus was buried, Paul said. I think you and I have got to trust God to bless some things that have been buried in our life. And so I, I just want to encourage you to let go and let God have it and, and let it be buried in him and lean into him and rely on him and know that God's going to be bring blessing even though something's been buried. That's the gospel. And the last one, and I'll I'll close with this. It says, he raised him from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. He raised him from the dead on the third day. He was... Raised from the dead the Bible says on the third day according to the scriptures you can write this down in, in order to not waste grace you got to rely on God's resurrection power not your resuscitation power you got to rely on God's resurrection power not your resuscitation power some of you have been trying to resuscitate things that God's actually wanting to resurrect and you're using your strength And <laughs> <laughs> some of you are blue in the face right now trying to do God's job you're trying to make that thing float. You're trying to blow up that balloon. You're trying to blow up that promise. You're trying to blow up that marriage. Using all your strength to bring that thing back to life. Come on, Paul says that Jesus was raised from the dead, Jesus had to trust God to get him out of the grave. Jesus had to trust God. It didn't say Jesus raised himself from the dead. It didn't say Jesus did it all on his own. It actually says that Jesus was raised from the dead, that the Holy Spirit had to breathe on Jesus, had to bring the life of God into Jesus, had to re- bring, resurrect the power of God in Jesus and bring him alive. And I love resurrection, that it's not on us, that we don't have to resuscitate stuff. In college, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell myself, this was before Jesus' days, okay, before I was saved. But I took a class with a bunch of my football buddies and it was a CPR class because it was an ETA. Come on, somebody. The only problem with it was it was like 7 in the morning. If you're in college, man, that's a, that's a death sentence. 7 a.m. So we'd go in our flip-flops and shorts and go to class, man, looking rough. And there was one particular day we had to do the CPR resuscitation test. And, and we had had some activities the night before that partook of certain libations and and so we did the resuscitation on the little cpr dummy and we're getting graded on it and i guess the teacher could still have an aroma of the smell of our night before and i don't know what it might have been and i won't say it here on easter but when she graded the test and gave us our grades after watching our technique, she gave me and about three guys a D. She didn't fail us, but she gave us a D. And I was like, "We did everything right. How did you give us a D?" She goes, "Because you didn't resuscitate that dummy. You breathed dead. You breathed dead air into that dummy. You breathed drunk air into that dummy. If you did bring that dummy back to life, he'd have died of drunkenness." <laughs> That's exactly what she said, and gave us a D on the thing. Some of you are trying to resuscitate things and and God's going, even if you do bring it back to life, it's going to still be drunk with envy and drunk with fear and drunk with your own strength. It's going to be be unstable and, and there's things in our own breath that don't have any life in it. You have to have the life of God that can resurrect things in your life and in my life resurrection is a whole different thing than resuscitation it's the breath of God and I think that God is saying that he wants to bring some things back to life that's resurrection we're resurrection people guys we're believing we're not just adding rules and regulations to our life we're not just trying to overcome bad habits we're not trying to try harder we're not making declarations I will never do this again come on have you ever made a declaration to do it the next day like I will never like two days later Peter made declarations. I declare I will die for you, Jesus. Jesus said, you will deny me, Peter. Declarations usually lead to denial. And Jesus is saying, I, God is saying, I don't, I don't need declarations. I don't need resuscitation. I just need you to actually trust me to bring some things back to life, to breathe on some things, to, to get some things up out of the grave. God's still bringing things back to life, still breathing new life into stuff today. And I think, I think in the middle of fear and the middle of, of worldwide chaos, it's easy to forget and waste the grace we've been given. It's easy to forget that sometimes things are buried, but God's about to bless them. It's easy to forget that he wants to resurrect it. We don't have to resuscitate it with our own strength. And Some of you have been trying to resuscitate a marriage, been trying to resuscitate a dream or, a desire for a child. Some, some of you have been lost hope for so long. It's been this way so long. You've just quit believing. You've quit even desiring it to come alive. You've quit even trusting. And you're just going, I, I kind of quit. I give up. And God's saying, no, no, no. I need you to believe again today that I can bring some things back to life. I, I want to I bring some, some power on your behalf. I want to breathe on some things for you. Here, here's what happened after Jesus rose from the dead. And I'll close with this. He died, he was buried, and he resurrected. The tomb is empty, it's still empty today. The tomb is proof that we're just getting started. Here's what resurrection for you and I is. We might be in the ground right now, but we're not staying here forever. We might be buried right now, but it's not gonna last forever. You know, joy comes in the morning. That they came looking for a dead savior, but they found a living Lord, he came out of the grave. The tomb is empty and it's proof that God's just getting started. The devil actually fashioned and formatted and and, and spread a lie about Jesus after he rose from the dead to try to disprove it. The devil actually said through this lie, he said that he's not risen, that he's actually been stolen. That he's not risen from the dead, he's just been stolen. The body was stolen. And he's still telling the same lie. Here's the lie he tells us, the same lie. Here's what it sounds like. There's no life beyond burial. Satan would tell you today there's no life beyond divorce. There's no life beyond addiction. There's no life beyond that accident. There's no life beyond that shame. There's no life beyond that problem. There's no life beyond the virus. There's no life beyond that hurt. There's no life beyond that discouragement. Come on. That's Satan's lie, saying there's no life beyond burial. And the proof of of the power of the gospel is there is life beyond burial. There's life beyond our greatest mistakes. If we'll just allow the power of the gospel to permeate our being, allow grace to not go to waste, to say, you know what? It's Jesus. It's what He did. I remind myself it's about God and His power. Let me say this to you. The empty tomb is permission for you to believe beyond what you've buried. And I just want to pray for you today. I just want to give you permission to believe again. No matter how ridiculous the devil's telling you it sounds that God could actually bring this back to life, I believe you can encounter and experience the power of God in that area. I believe that you can believe for your marriage again that God could resurrect it. I believe that you can believe for that child or that dream or that business or that hope. I believe that that we can believe for for this global problem. If God can get Jesus out of the grave all by himself, he doesn't need our help with the plan for our life. I wanna encourage you to put this in God's hand today. So the first thing I wanna pray for is this. If you just just need to believe again, I wanna give you permission. I'm gonna believe again that Jesus can actually bring something back to life that I've discounted or left buried and forgot about. I wanna pray for that. And the second thing, if you're listening today and you're watching and you just need the grace of God, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You're hearing me talk about the simple gospel that Jesus died for your sins. You couldn't do it, you couldn't pay for it. That he died to remove them. They're gone, all of them, past, present, and future. You can't add a tip to that. He did it on the cross. He rose from the dead. And He did that to give you brand new life. Not to to make you better, to give you the life of God. Not to clean you up, to give you life. If you need that life today, the Bible says, if you would just simply believe in the gospel, the good news that Jesus did it all, not religion, not rules, not regulation, just believing in Jesus, that you get a fresh start in God. So I want to pray for some of you that need a fresh start in God today. I want to pray right now and give you permission to believe and then I'm going to, I'm going to pray for those that would type Jesus in the, in the comments. If you know you need Jesus, if you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, if you need a fresh start in God, just type Jesus in the comments right now. I need, I need God's life. I believe in the gospel. I need Jesus. Maybe it's for the first time. If it's the first time, you know you need Christ. You can't pay for it. You know He gave His life for you. Just type Jesus. Just write it right there on your, on your screen and we're going to reach out to you in prayer We've got a resource to send to you. Maybe you maybe you're coming back to Jesus. Maybe you you know you've kind of doubted and you've you've wasted his grace and you're ready to come back to him. You're ready to come back to the gospel. Come on, just type Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for resurrection. Thank you for Easter. Thank you for an empty tomb. Lord, in, in worldwide chaos right now, we we, we ground ourselves in your resurrection and your death burial and resurrection we, we 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 aren't far removed from the cost that you paid on the cross we remind ourselves we recount we realize everything that you did for us was in your strength that you paid for it all for those listening right now god i pray That they would have permission again to believe today for things that have been buried things that they have felt were dead i believe right now with them for for marriages that need life lord breathe into children right now that need to come back to you lord breathe into a dream or a business or an idea breathe into a dead relationship god breathe into discouragement breathe into depression right now jesus bring bring some joy right now onto the scene god lord everywhere that there's been fear god bring faith breathe faith in You came out of the grave. You conquered hell, death, and the grave. Jesus, you flexed your muscles on death and the devil by coming out of that grave. Flex your muscles in our living room today. Flex your muscles in our situation right now on this Easter Sunday. We believe in you, Jesus. Thank you for flexing and showing off your power in our life today, God. I pray you'd believe again. I prophesy you'd believe again today like never before and no grace would go to waste. If you're listening and you've typed in Jesus, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer of just surrender. The Bible says, if you would believe on your heart on Jesus and confess with your mouth, he's Lord, you shall be saved. It's as simple as that. Would you pray with me right now? Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I surrender to you. I need you, I trust in you. It's as simple, it's as, simple as that. I, I believe that you are God. I believe you died and rose from the dead. I believe what the scriptures say wasn't an afterthought. You were thinking about me and I surrender today to you. Lord, I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with life. I'll serve you the rest of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. Let's praise God right there in our living rooms. If you made a decision, if you've got permission to believe again, come on, i just high five you. I thank you for being with us online. I'm so proud of you for making those decisions. Stay tuned all week long with our church. You can connect online. Uh, we've got some great things next week, starting with connect groups. I love you so much. So proud of you. Can't wait to see you again, church and hug your neck and high five soon. Love you. Come on. The best days are ahead in Jesus name.